to work for mine. Eight years on the mic and I'm not joking. Sir, too short, coming straight from Oakland. California, home of the rock. Eight woofers in the trunk, beating down the block. Short dog, I'm that rapping man. I said it before and I say it again like this. What is up, doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show, where we discuss, yeah, you know what we discuss, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is March 30th, 2016, a so-so weather day here in the nation's capital on a Wednesday. Not warm enough, not too chilly, definitely not spring. I don't know why I talk about the weather before every podcast. It's almost become routine. I'm usually just complaining about the cold weather or hoping for warm weather when in reality, I don't really have anything interesting to add and it's not really related to basketball. But hey, that's just who I am, I guess. (laughs) But speaking of bitching, let's get into these Washington Wizards. They fell last night in Oakland to Golden State, 102 to 94. They're currently now 36 and 38 on the season. A tough loss for them in a way it was a very strange game so i decided to do a solo pod to chop this all up before the game tonight they played sacramento here at 10 o'clock last night i had a lot to say to vent about the the warriors loss but i was near death as the game ended ended uh 1 a.m so i figured what i'm gonna do on this solo pod so bear with me for the next uh 30 minutes or so my friends were unable to to join me tonight, uh, so I'm just going to do it by myself. Uh, you know who you are, Connor, Kyle, take a number. Uh, and so what, what I'm planning on doing is just going to go over the main takeaways of of, of the game that I saw, uh, kind of dissect the runs within the game, and then go through individual players and evaluate how each one did last night, and then answer some Twitter questions. So let's get into the main takeaways. The main takeaways that I see from this game is, you know, hey, they competed. Uh, you know, they 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 finished the game at 42% from the field, 5 of 22 from threes, which for 22%, and shot 17 of 27, again, their bugaboo uh, this whole season from the free throw line, a 63%. And, you know, it was a two-point game uh, going into the, at the end of the third quarter. They were only down... By five points, uh, they're only down by three points at half. Excuse me, and and they even made a, a crazy late run. It was a very odd, odd way that this this whole game played out. Uh, and the other one was the game of runs. I mean, the Warriors essentially, you know, the Warriors now are sixty-seven and seven. They've won fifty-four straight uh, at the Oracle in Oakland there, and and it was a game of runs. And the Warriors are a championship team, going for the all-time record. And their runs were better than the Wizards' runs. So that was another takeaway. Uh, it was an off night by John Wall. I mean, you're not going to beat the champs with an off night from your all-star player. What we saw in the previous game earlier last month in February, John Wall had 41 points. He was outstanding. The Wizards just didn't have, he just did not have enough help to, to overcome you know, Steph Curry and Clay. And last night, Wall was not good. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. He only, fit, he only had eight points, and... You're going to need your best player to perform at his best, especially this team. I mean, that is an, another theme of this season. It's just 
if John Wall isn't John Wall, I mean, this team has no shot. And luckily, we've had John Wall, you know, aside from that first month of November, he has been at an all-star level and has been able to keep his team afloat. Now, it is frustrating that his team can't get in the playoffs with John Wall playing that well, but we've already went into why all that is on previous podcasts. You can go check him out. But And then the other one was just playoff hopes are slim now. You know, they needed this victory. Uh, they're running out of games. The season's ending. I know this is very improbable. Golden State, like I mentioned, is hasn't lost at home forever. I don't know if they're ever going to lose at home again, maybe to the Spurs uh, in the playoffs. And But yet, two years ago, this team beat them uh, in, in, in Oakland. You know, obviously it was before their championship run, but they had had success in Oakland two years ago, and they had played them well, like I mentioned, in Verizon Center for the most part. So you thought maybe that they could, they could have a chance here to, to get a victory before the second game of this road trip and, and trying to get some momentum and, and finish this strong the season out. And, and that just didn't, that just did not happen. So let's go into this game. It was, it was a straight, strange start. So the Warriors get off to a, a good start. They, they, they take the lead. They came out, they came out firing, you know, Clay got off, Curry hit some shots and it looked like, Oh no, here comes, here comes the, the Warriors that we know. And they, they had some highlight plays and, you know, one was a Curry dunk uh, that he dunked, and then also uh, Draymond throwing an alley oop off the backboard uh, to Andrew Bogic. He said later, I guess he said that he he meant to do that. I don't I don't know if that's true. It was kind of a wild shot. Uh, it, you know, the, but then the Wizards. So the Warriors come out strong in the in the first quarter. Somehow the war the Wizards were not playing well, but they're still scrapping. We're still able to stay in it. Uh, and then the Warriors' offense, their second unit in the first half, just went in a huge funk. Uh, they were not playing well at all. Bad turnovers. The Wizards kept creeping, kept creeping, and then the Wizards go on a run. They they go on a a twenty two to eight run and take a forty six to thirty seven lead in the second quarter. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh man, my plans of maybe going to bed at halftime or or in the third quarter. I'm like, oh, this team is going to make me stay up and watch it. And before you know it, which is probably you know, when I mentioned the, the runs of, of the Warriors, of the takeaway of, of having some power runs, they go on a crazy run. They go on a 12-0 run, take the momentum to go up uh, 49-46 at half, like I mentioned. And that 12-0 run, and that seemed like that was one of the key moments of the game. If the Wizards could just have just, you know, not a 12-0 run, maybe just a 10-4 run or a you know, 12-6 run, but instead it was a 12-0 run, Curry hit a couple threes. The crowd was into it. So the Wizards, who had played well, considering they had not really played offense that well, were were down three. And if you would say, hey, before the game started, that the Wizards would be down three and a half, all of us would take it. All of us would take it. But when the Warriors end on a 12-0 run, and to to echo the words of Doug Collins, you know, end of quarters, end of halves, you know, those those momentum to finish strong in in this in, in these halves and quarters, and, and the Warriors did that in the first half. They come out in the third quarter, and it looked like, once again, the Warriors going to blow this out. Uh, they they started hitting some shots. Uh, it started going on, and before I knew it, they were they were up, and then the Wizards scrapped back again. It, you know, they were up like 10 points. The Wizards scrapped back again. They got into it, and they trailed 74-72 to 72 with less than a minute left and had the ball. Uh, to tie it, and Sessions misses a floater, and I thought this was another key part of the game. Sessions misses a floater, Warriors again hit a corner three, 
They hit a shot. I think Barnes hit a shot. Or Barnes hit a three. They hit another shot. And then Draymond hit like a 25-footer. Before you know, the Wizards now are down seven points again going into the fourth quarter. And that was pretty much it. They, The Warriors then go on a major run. Uh, to Where did they go on? They went on a 21-4 run to take the lead 95-76. to And that was pretty much the ball game. Every, you know, I'm ready to go to bed. Wizards Twitter is ready to go to bed. And then for some weird reason, in the last four minutes, when when the bench is cleared, uh, a J.J. Hexen, Marcus Thornton, Kelly Oubre lineup goes on a six, 16-5 run uh, to cut the lead to six points with 40 seconds left. And once again, uh, Sessions makes a, a bad pass to Hickson, which with about 20 seconds left and turns the ball over. And it was a very improbable, weird one. That then the Wizards with a with you know were thirteen point underdogs were able to do a backdoor cover. So so the Wizards, like I mentioned, it was a really strange game that that they showed some medals, showed flashes, but their best player John Wall did not play that well, and yet they had some bizarre runs. JJ Hickson was really well at the end. I thought Markeith had a, a decent game, and 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 Beal played well, and Otto. Auto shot the ball decently, okay, but the Wizards did not play well enough to beat the champs, and that's just that's just how it is. And and and, and what sucks is that the games, you know, like the Timberwolves, giving the Timberwolves game up, or or these games that we've seen throughout the season, giving them up, it really pays that they don't have that game or two in their pocket, or th- or three or four that, that hey, you know, we're not going to beat Golden State and Golden State, but you know, we're going to get the rest of these, or we have a cushion instead. These games, this game against a team that is improbable to beat, isn't becoming a deflating loss in the sense. On a night when Detroit won, they beat the Thunder. The Thunder did not play Ibaka or Kevin Durant, and then the Bulls beat the Pacers. And now, now Washington is behind uh, Pacers by three point three games for the eighth spot. They're behind Chicago by one, and they're behind Detroit now by three and a half games with eight games left. And I'll get into the, the playoff probabilities here at the end. But I wanted to get into just individual performances uh, of, of the players. And let's start with John Wall. I've, you know, I've been critical about him uh, so far here in this podcast. But it, it was once again we saw what, what I wrote about um, in my recap for the, for the, the T-Wolves loss, what me and Rashad had talked about in the last podcast, there's just something bizarre going on now with him at the rim. He didn't even look to finish again multiple times. He was hesitant at the rim. He only got two free throws attempt. He missed both of them. He finished, let's look at John Wall's stat line. He was 4-14, 0-3 from three, 0-2 from free throws, like I said. Five rebounds, 11 assists. He did have four blocks. One was pretty vicious on uh, Steph Curry, and Steph Curry... Uh, wanted a foul call and maybe got some body on him. That was that was that was a pretty awesome play. Two turnovers, but negative twenty plus minus in in thirty four minutes. It just was not a good night for him, and he did not get out in transition. Didn't really finish that well. He made a you know made some jumpers here and there, but he he bricked a really bad three pointer. I thought when they had a chance to maybe get some momentum there, and it just didn't it just didn't happen for him. Now Bradley, on the other hand. He had a, a very good game. The the panda thought the panda attacked, got to the rim several times. His shot was going. Uh, his outside jumper. He only really made one three. 
He ended up being six of sixteen from the from the field, one of six from three. He had seventeen points. His box score didn't really doesn't really show as as well as how I thought he played. Uh, you know, he did struggle a little bit on defense, getting sucked under some screens on Clay Thompson. But we did see the aggressive Bradley Beal that I had not really seen, uh, just only seen in spurts here and there since his injury. So it was good good to see him kind of get out of his. Uh, coasting mentality or pouting mentality that he that he has had and 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 you know you'd see some of the moves that he would make and be like okay all right Bradley all right now is this we're gonna get the Bradley we're gonna get Bradley twenty five thirty a game here to finish this to finish this run out and and, and he had some open shots in the second half that that went up being big momentum changers that he didn't miss but overall I thought he played a pretty solid ground he does need to stay off the damp ground. For some reason, he has slipped all over the place. They did mention on the broadcast that Golden State had had an issue with people falling down on the ground. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't think they have a hockey team. I, I don't know if they have condensation. I, I don't. I don't. I don't get. Maybe that's part of their home field, uh, home court, home court advantage. Uh, Markeith Morris. Uh, he finished with uh, 15 points, five of 12, three of seven from three, and we've really seen uh, Markeith really expand his game from the three point range as of late. Uh, he's been making about two or three a game here in the last four or five games, and and that that can really open the space out. He did once again get into some foul trouble a little bit early. He had some really bad turnovers that that led to some of Golden State's uh, runs. He threw one right to Curry that led to the Curry dunk I, I, I mentioned, I highlighted, and uh, he got flushed on a couple of double teams. But overall, you know, I thought you got you got a decent run out of Marquise. He only played twenty three minutes. Uh, but you know we've seen some signs of Markeith that you know could be could be positive here for the future. March of Gortat, uh, the Polish hammer machine, uh, whatever you want to use, uh, Buckhans I think likes to call him the the machine. You know Gortat's line, he had ten rebounds, nine points, four six from the from the field, uh, only one or one or two from free throws. Uh, no blocks. So John Wad, former blocks in our center. You know, imagine that. Uh, not a good night for Marchin. I, I thought Marchin, you know, rebounded decently here and there, but there was a, there were some moments there in the second half where Bogut really pushed him around, and and it, he just didn't really. I don't know if it was his lower body or just his strength. He was off balance a lot. A lot of times he tried to throw him the ball and run the offense off of him, and he wasn't even expecting it. And it was just a very awkward night. He did have one highlight where he got an and one and chest bumped a teammate uh, very awkwardly. But overall, it was it was a down performance for Marchin, especially when you're going up against a big guy like Bogut, who is going to push you around, and and you got to go back at him. And especially Gortat, he is like the most soft isn't the word. The frustrating aspect about him is that he's you know cut off sleeves and bald head and goatee and then you go watch him and he wants to do these finesse hooks and and he doesn't do one up and under move and he'll miss a dunk uh, that you'll be like what are you doing and and yeah it's very frustrating to see like Bogut who you kind of want Gortat to play a little bit like Bogut but you know Gortat did set some decent screens here and there but he just needed to be a little bit tougher and he didn't really accept the challenge that uh, Andrew Bogut gave to him. Uh, and then let's who else we got? We got uh, and then Otto Porter. Otto Porter had eleven points. He was four and nine, uh, six rebounds, uh, three or four from the free throw line, over one from three. He's got to shoot more than one three. That definitely has to happen. I mean, that is his role to go to the corners, get on the break, 
and shoot some threes. He was minus 19 on the plus minus. I thought he played decent defense. I thought he showed some hustle. He had a really nice finish uh, and an athletic move. So an okay night for Otto. Not really, not really outstanding, but not really the hidden hidden Otto that we've seen uh, as of late, where he just kind of go hides for stretches. Let's go to the bench. Oh wow! Uh, let's start with Garrett Temple. Uh, three points, one on one from three. Did make one three. Eighteen minutes, one to two, two assists, three fouls again. You know, it's good that Garrett Temple made a shot, uh, so he wasn't have zero points, and he only played eighteen minutes, but. He went. He got roasted on defense once again on like a simple back screen, and maybe I'm just calling him out. I'm being too harsh on him, but yo, dude, like I can't, I can't have the deep. We we can't have the defensive stop stopper, the guy that's only on the court for defense, and I'm basically calling him out for his defense. I mean, that's just it's unacceptable, and and he has to be better, and he fouls a lot again, and I don't know what's going on with him. Something's wrong with him. Physically, nothing that I'm aware of, but his defense has really slipped of late, and we know his offensive limitations. So if he cannot contribute defensively, he just kind of does not want, doesn't really need to be out there. Even though I don't know what other options they have uh, at this point, you know, because like it's not like Marcus Thornton is a better defender. Uh, Jared Dudley did not play that much. 17 minutes. I thought he was solid. He had he was uh, two of four. Only took one three. Uh, had five points, plus seven, plus minus. I thought he was decent and probably deserved a little bit more run. Nene, oh, Nene. What do we start with Nene? Nene, uh, 17 minutes. He was uh, four of eight from the field. Had five points, minus five, plus minus. The problem with Nene is that at stretches during this game, uh, it became where Nene, was, the offense was going completely through Nene for some reason. Uh, and especially in the second quarter, his usage rate, Bulls Forever had this up, where he had a 40% usage rate, which they basically said that uh, for every time he was on the court, uh, about two or six, three, <laughs> three or six, two or six plays were on the court when he was on the court were going through Nene at, at some point. And he was missing free throws. He was oh, about three layups he, he missed at the rim. Uh, he did not play very his Nene tough defense. It was not a good night for the big Brazilian, and it was even more bizarre that both times it was almost highlighting his his inefficiency at this point. That you know he just didn't have it. And you know Nene has it, and Rashad mentioned this on the podcast uh, last podcast that we had is that you kind of know Nene has it when he doesn't, and it was a night that Nene really didn't have it. And for some reason, they kept going through Nene like it was 2013, 2014, and not 2016, and that was just just bizarre and just weird. Again, in a strange game, I don't know if anyone asked. You know, I'm sure Nene didn't answer questions afterward, or anyone even asked Whitman what the hell was going on. Why were you running all these sets through through Nene? I mean, at one point you had just Nene at the ball down low, and four guards just standing outside, and that's just not the offense. That is not the strength of this team. They need ball movement. They need someone, you know, they need John Wall trying to penetrate. They need some pick and roll. It is not it is not an A isolation anymore. And, and everyone that watches this game knows exactly what I'm talking about. And that was just, just it was just whacked. I, I, I have nothing else to say. And I'm a big defender of Nene. I like him personally. I, th- I, I, like, I think his defense is still uh, top notch. But it just was not, not the best outing for him. Uh, Ramon Sessions, I would say another, if I had to give negatives, uh, stars, Ramon Sessions had a bad game. I, you know, he, he's plus minus, and he's plus nine because he was on the court for that late run, but 
He had two turnovers, three assists. He was 0-3 uh, from the from the field. He had one point. And some of these shots were just bad. He was forcing it. And the Ramon sessions that we'd seen, you know, earlier this season or when he was the most effective, getting to the rim, uh, you know, creating some space, creating, you know, getting into the seams, getting contact. You know, he's finished a little bit better this year than he did did last at the end of last season, but it just was not a good night for Moan. He was pressing, he was pressuring things, and he wasn't making buckets, and he was a negative when he was out on the court. And I would finish up, but who else we got? We got Marcus Thornton. Thornton, I was like, oh no, here comes Thornton, buckle up. Thornton did not make a shot. He shot three threes, missed them all, but he had four assists. And when they made their little late improbable run to try to make this game respectable in some bizarre, weird way, he was finding guys. They, he somehow was like leading the break and making good passes. And it was it's another another strange oddity of, of last night's uh, contest. And then J.J. Hickson. Wow. Did I ever think that I would say really positive things about J.J. Hickson? I don't know who that player was last night. What I've seen of J.J. Hickson is that he's wild, he's out of control, and he can't shoot free throws. Uh, and he's not that good of a defender. Uh, his def- defense still a little iffy, but he was rebounding. J.J. Hickson had nine points and five rebounds in five minutes. He was plus 11. And it wasn't so much that he was getting active and beating the beating Gold State down the court. is that he had this baseline move where he did like a drop step and just rose about four or five feet away, and just dunked it. I was like, oh, wow, what an athletic move. And maybe it's just weird being on a team with the bigs being so limited athletically and and having basically just John Wall being the only real athlete that goes to the rim on a consistent basis. Uh, It was, you know, it's different to see a guy, J.J. Hickson. So maybe there is some hope for J.J. Hickson. So all you J.J. Hickson fans out there, uh, great game for JJ, and he almost made the, the Wizards pull off some just magical, crazy comeback victory. And then free Kelly Oubre got a little run. Kelly Oubre had uh, six points, made both his free throws, uh, two or three. I think both were dunks, or one was a dunk and one was an and one, or I think an and one. And he did miss a three. He had six points and a le- plus 11. Uh, before we get into the Twitter questions, I just had one more person that we have to talk about, and that is Mr. Randy Whitman. And this is probably why I wanted to vent last night, more so than the game, because, you know, how much can you be upset about losing to a team that hasn't lost <laughs> at home in over 50 games? Uh, to a team that's trying to break the all-time winning record, to the best team of all, you know, potentially of all time. You can't get too upset over... A loss to them, I mean, you just can't. It's just, that's, that's stupid. That's dumb. Uh, but I was so upset. I was still so pissed at Randy Whitman uh, at some of his decisions. And I guess piss is not the right word. It's just more like, really, Randy? And let's just go through them. First sub off the bench, not Dudley. He puts in an A for Markeith. And come on, are we, we're going to really play Nene and Gortat versus the Golden State in their, their lineup of death, their small ball that re-evolutionized this whole game, what, what you guys try to do all summer and pace and space. And then when you play Golden State in Golden State, the first sub off the bench is Nene, and you want to play Nene and Gortat when you have a healthy Dudley right there. Just, I don't even understand. It, it only lasted for a couple of minutes. But it was just, what what are you doing, Randy Women? And then also, they, they employed the switching defense which led Golden State, uh, you know, when Golden State made their 12-0 run in, at the end of the second quarter, a lot of it was because they were switching 
all the screens up top, and then all of a sudden Dudley would be on Steph Curry. Shocker. Jared Dudley can't guard Steph Curry. Another just bizarre, weird, what just malpractice, coaching malpractice to that is what you're that's what you drew up to, to stop the best player in the league, to put somehow Jared Dudley on an island one on one with him, and you did that repeatedly. I, I don't know the strategy. It seemed like there was not much strategy. And that uh, was really bizarre. And I also thought he went, okay, so the Wizards climbed back, like I said, and we're, we're only down seven going on the fourth. And all of a sudden, he, did, he rolls out a lineup of Ramon Sessions, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Garrett Temple, and Nene. And that's when they ran the ball through Nene, uh, and there's all the guards stood around. And then on defense, those guys didn't know what to do. And so then they... And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mark or Murray Spates, Spates, how you pronounce his name, Spates, is destroying the Wizards down low. So the so the Golden State's going on this big run uh, with Curry with Curry on the bench because Mo Spates is destroying a lineup of Gary Temple at the power forward position. I don't know why he is doing that. Did he decide he didn't want to play Dudley or Marquis for that at that time? I, I don't I don't know why Otto was not in the game. If you're even if you're gonna go small and you put Otto at the four, I mean this lineup has never played ever. And here you are against the chance again in a game that you have a chance here. This game is not over. And to go to bizarre lineup didn't make any, it didn't make any sense. I mean it's one thing to be like you're throwing out these crazy junk lineups in Denver, uh, or you're saying like oh hey we're on this long road trip. It seemed to me like he was just throwing stuff up against a wall. And that is just indicative of of not where how not where you want this franchise and this team to be from a coaching standpoint as you're trying to go against these teams for a last playoff spot and your whole coaching livelihood is on is on the line. I mean, Randy Williams is probably not going to get another job anywhere else. I highly doubt that. No one else believes that. And now you're rolling, that's the lineup you're rolling out when everything's on the line. You have a chance to have a signature victory. It just it doesn't make, it didn't make any sense. I, I didn't think he called enough timeouts uh, during Golden State's runs. You know that's that's kind of nitpicking here and there. Uh, and then then of course maybe at the end you maybe even argue you should have maybe put the starters back in when they cut the lead. But I can see where you would just kind of roll with the same dudes you rolled with. Just just frustrating that 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 is what uh, Randy Whitman drew up. So. You know, I, I defend Randy Whitman. I try to be fair. I try to give contacts, even though he won't answer my questions, and I stopped asking him questions. But it's just, I just cannot, you can't defend that. And, and it's just frustrating as a fan. I'm not saying, hey, go fire Randy Whitman. He's everything. Get rid of him. But I also recognize what Randy Whitman has done well, and, I've, and I also give props and props deserve it. And, and But I cannot not criticize when I see justifiable criticism, and that is what I saw uh, last night for Randy Whitman. So let's give you some updates of where this team is currently. They are now 36 and 38 in 10th place. Like I said, the probability ranking is uh, 538 has them making the playoffs at 15%. Uh, ESPN has them at 6.6%. Basketball Reference has them at 4.6%. And oh my goodness, those are not good odds. It has been a very futile effort to tweet this out. Uh, every morning as they update these probabilities. And I feel like we are one Kings or Suns loss away from this being uh, 2-1, almost 0%. So this game tonight is going to be a big one. They're all going to be big. The Wizards now have eight games left. They play the Kings on Wednesday night. They play at the Suns 
on Friday night, and they play at the Clippers on Sunday afternoon, which it is not on ABC. I misspoke last game, last podcast, but it is an afternoon 3.30 game, Sunday, 3.30 Eastern. So that is, that's 12.30 local. I hope, I hope the boys aren't partying too hard. Uh, out in uh, LA on uh, Saturday night, so uh, that could be that could be it could be a little rough first quarter. See how see how much see how late the uh, club was 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 hopping there on that, that Saturday night. But let's get to uh, these uh, Twitter questions. Let's, let's let's go. What we got here? We have. Let's start with uh, Sir Ah again. Yeah, he asked me a question last time. I think he asked me. Listen, is his question uh, at Sir Ah A H. He asks, is poor free throw shooting a coaching issue, or does the GM not know how to find players above league average? Wow, that is, that is, I don't know why. I mean, what is free throw shooting? It is repetition. I do remember two years ago when Paul Pierce was was signed, the first thing that he mentioned, two things that he mentioned was like, he told Wall and Beal, and they both reiterated in, in interviews, hey, we got to be better at home. The Wizards at that time had been struggling at home. They had to be a better home team, and they were. They ended up being a, a very better home team. Better home team last season, of course. They have been a very average to poor home team this year, which is another problem of this team. And the other thing he he said was like, "Hey, Wall and Beal, you got to be better free throw shooters." Uh, you know, they they hovered around 70 percent uh, in their career, and he's like, "You got to be eighty. You got to be eighty five. Now they improved a little bit. Uh, Beal has tailed off this season. Actually, what are they shooting? Uh, on the year, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, partly it is because you know Nay's a poor free throw shooter, uh, and and we don't really have a stud free throw shooter. We don't have anyone shooting eighty five or ninety percent. So when we don't have these guys that, that at the end of the game can get all the free throws and make all the free throws, then you don't have any studs, and it really hurts them. As for is that roster construction, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much. Do you get players because they're good free throw shooters? I don't know how much that, that comes into play on free agency. So I'm not, I'm going to give Ernie a pass on that one. I do feel like if you're a really good outside shooter, you should be a good free throw shooter. And, and Wall and Beal definitely need to set that up. Let's see what Wall is this year. Wall is shooting, bear with me. Wall is shooting uh, from the free throw line. He is 78% from the free throw line. He was 78 last year. Uh, he was 80 the year before, so actually he decreased. So I guess Paul Pierce's advice, his veteran, savvy veteran leadership was not good enough for him. Uh, Beal was 78 two years ago. He was 78 again last year, so I guess Paul Pierce didn't help. And now Beal is 76%, so he has uh, dipped a little bit. Uh, the next question, what free agent trades do we legitimately have a shot at this summer to improve this team with I assume that I think this means with no draft picks in this draft. What free agent do we have a shot at? I don't know what free agents we have a shot at. There's going to be a lot to go. I mean, I think it's going to come down to you know what the decision that Durant makes and what Horford makes, and everything will kind of base it off of that. You, you know, who the Wizards decide to come back with, what coach do they sound to ride with the same coach, what style they want to play. Does, if Durant signs for long term, then you know they take that completely off. If he doesn't sign for long term, he only does a one year max or one year deal and comes back. I think the Wizards still have to look into maybe still keeping some flexibility to go after him again, which I know people will probably not like to hear, but I think that they will have enough cap room. 
so yeah, I, I think it's going to be B about who they want to keep um, on the current roster, and then you know seeing the way Ernie. Uh, does it after that. As for trades, I don't know what other assets we have aside from maybe tra- wanting to trade Bradley Beal instead of paying him. I think they should just pay him because I don't know if they're going to get back equal value, especially how young he is. Uh, and then also, I mean, I guess they could trade Auto or Ubre for some type of package. And I guess it also depends on who's on the market. Uh, next question. Realistically, is Canning, Ernie, and Wit what's best for the franchise? I, I I should probably be politically correct because maybe the Wizards are listening to this. No, they probably don't listen to this. Uh, the Wizards brass. I mean, yeah, right. It's not that it's not it's what's best for the franchise. The, it already proven that there is a limit to where those two can take this franchise. That we've seen it. It's played out. There they have plateaued and now they're on the decline. Uh, Ernie's had a weird run up and down, and uh, you know I have to probably separate the two. Ernie has, a, you know, death taxes in Grunfeld. He's had a million lives, and and he obviously, I don't know why, how he still has a job per se or running this basketball team. I've just come, I've just come to accept that he's always going to be in my life in that capacity. Uh, I think he makes good moves and bad moves. I would like new leadership and a new direction, but that's really Ted's call and Money Mental's the board's call, and hopefully at some point they will do that. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, as for Whitman, yeah, I, I think that if they don't make the playoffs, and even if they do make the playoffs, that he has been skating on nine lives. The team, you know, it comes down to one thing with Randy Whitman. The defense isn't good. And if Randy Whitman cannot coach good defense, I just don't see, you know, injuries aside, or injury excuses aside, I don't see how you can keep Randy Whitman if this defense is average. It has to be really good with Randy Whitman, and it hasn't been. And we've seen, you know, underachievement during the regular season and so-so results, uh, you know, albeit from, you know, they went 8-1 and two first-round playoff series. But aside from that, everything else has been pretty much uh, either average, mediocre, or an underachievement. And I don't know what else you really have to hang the hat on of Randy Whitman's talents aside from the defense and winning first two first-round series. Uh, do you think Ted fires Randy? Oh, I'm sorry. This is from uh, David Costa, 1980. Uh, the last question was from uh, G. Cole. Uh, that's G. I, lo- I love these names. Uh, do you think Ted fires Randy and Ernie G? Uh, I guess this is what comes down to. Do you think they should be fired? I say yes and yes. Do you think Ted will fire them? I said yes. And I would say yes and yes. They probably should be replaced. Will Ted do that? Is a separate question. Ernie, I say no. And, and Randy, I would lean yes. And it, I think because of uh, the the caps, the caps play a little bit role in that. I've discussed that many times here on the podcast. I uh, oh, my friend John Townsend, he says, uh, a fellow writer at Truth About It, he says, I don't have a question, dude. Uh, I added the dude part, uh, but you really ought to discuss this. And so he's subtweeting himself. Uh, he shares his own stat. A shocking stat from Synergy says John Wall scores just three points per game around the whim. Excluding transition, that ranks him 22nd among point guards. Yeah, he's selling for the jumper too much. I think that's what we see. If he's on transition, I mean, I don't know what the numbers, uh, what the numbers are. That reminds me a lot of his his uh, rookie year, first year when he his second year when when they end up the, the year after the year of the lockout where Flip got fired. 
that he came out was probably the worst he's played in his career that first month. During they went three and fifteen before they fired Flip. He was just he couldn't shoot and he couldn't finish at the rim. And if he wasn't transition, he was really bad and he was still struggling, still trying to figure out his whole speed thing. He's done a lot better on the speed stuff and he's gotten a lot better. Obviously, he's gotten a lot better at the jumper, but also he just he's shooting too many mid range jumpers. And you feel like, okay, you're shooting these mid-range jumpers off the pick and roll because they're going to sag on you, so you want them to respect. But at some point, you got to turn the corner. And, and like I mentioned a lot earlier, is that he's passing up these shots so much at the rim. And, and that's where that, that, I think that stat comes for, is that he's falling a little bit too much on the mid-range J, and he's just not going way too hard enough uh, at the rim itself. And he maybe needs to be a little bit more selfish, uh, which I know goes against his, his natural instincts of being a pass-first point guard. Next question, Fred L. Future of Wiz and Whitman. Do they go young and new at head coach or a proven winner? I would like them to go young. Uh, me and, me and go listen to the last podcast. Me and Rashad talked about this for about 20, 25 minutes, so I don't want to go too much into this all because I know some of you uh, do listen to that, and I really appreciate the downloads. And I guess you're supposed to write a review on iTunes or something, get some ratings. I don't really care about that, but that's why I looked at on iTunes the other day. But keep listening. Anyway. Uh, do they go young? I'd like to see them to go young. Uh, you, know, you know, they're probably a clamoring of maybe a guy with a proven winner, but it didn't really work out with Flip. Uh, and and how much, how much the old guy? I mean, I can see maybe Ernie going with an older guy, just because he's been around the league for a while. So maybe he reaches out to more of a, uh, an older guy. But I'd like for them to go with a, an assistant. I was even thinking maybe Kevin Ollie throwing somebody at Kevin Ollie from UConn. Just kind of some outside the box because I did throw out uh, Shaka Smart and Brad Stevens about three or four years ago, and people laughed at me uh, for those two two uh, ideas. I also said John Cole Perry. I threw a bunch of money at him, but I, I don't think that Leonsis will ever give him control or the money that it would take to get Cal, and that is still up for. So that'd be like I don't think you would give the money to get Cal, and who's to know if Cal's gonna be successful or not? But I would like to see them to make a splash. Uh, you know, maybe a. But, you know, if they're going to make a splash, make a splash. But going back to the young coach, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the young, a young top assistant, you know, someone maybe with a point guard background that Wall can learn from uh, and play, play maybe play a little bit different style. I think th- the problem is, is that when you get rid of Whitman and get a new person in, you know, is that mesh with Grunfeld? How is it going to mesh with the front office? You know, what movement are they going to go? And Ted's really has not, hasn't really, gave us much on any of that it's just been mostly holding out for this playoffs and you know keeping the ink dried for make a run at kevin durant uh and oh that goes this that was a uh, local f- uh, fred next so thank you for your question fred l uh the next one is from Jax teller uh gg luciano i think we've exchanged a lot of message on twitter he asked backup plan to kd i like DeRozan, but doubt he wants to leave toronto barnes Whiteside. Barnes, maybe I guess, but Barnes is. I feel like Barnes is going to get the max at uh, Philly. I don't know how much Barnes is really. I like Barnes. I don't know if he's going to be worth the money. Uh, and you know, he's been in that system playing with all these good players. He hasn't really been an alpha dog, so maybe he's be able to take the next step. I think he'd be decent. I don't. I don't think he's a max guy uh, per se for the Wizards to move forward. You know, maybe for Philly. Uh, DeRozan, you know, I like DeRozan a lot. He's played really well this year. He's kind of a high-volume shooter. I think DeRozan and Barnes are, are more backup plans uh, if they don't sign Beal, but then I feel like they're going to sign Beal. So I don't know how much Beal and DeRozan or Beal and Barnes 
and Wall would really be would take this team to the next step. I, I don't know. I, I'd be really kind of perimeter oriented. I still feel like they need a young big guy, and that they won't have any any money uh, unless it's you know because I don't know if Barnes is an elite yet. Uh, Whiteside, yeah, he, you know Whiteside's young. He's got some attitude issues. I'm not really that high on Whiteside personally, but he definitely uh, can play. You know whether or not he puts it all together for, and sustains it for a while. Or the Wizards want to put up all that money for a big guy, especially when they still got Gortat on the books for a couple more years. Uh, but yeah, I, d- I think that they do have to have some type of backup plan. I think Horford's going to be the backup plan. So it's hard for me to look at another backup plan aside from Horford after KD. Uh, Jax Teller, your top picks for next coach and GM. I like Kevin Ollie for the next coach. Oh, look at you. I didn't even see the question. So I did mention Kevin Ollie. I would like, you know, he's done well. He. You know, he's a journeyman NBA player. He had the respect. Uh, you know, maybe we can get a Kevin Dur- Kevin Ollie, Kevin Durant combo. That would be that'd be effing awesome. Uh, as for GM picks, I mean, even if he wants to promote Tommy Shepard, uh, who's the number two guy, I'd be okay with that, actually. I think that there has to be some type of, you know, how cosmetic it is, but there has to be something for the fans. You can't just roll these two dudes out again. And that's why I feel like he even has to fire Whitman for the fans, for the season ticket holders. They miss the playoffs. They keep they bring back Whitman and Grunfeld again. Uh, it's just a tough sell. I don't know what you sell um, from a marketing standpoint. He's a very big marketer. I mean, he's more worried about arena football these days, uh, Mr. Ted Leonson, it seems like, than uh, this Wizards team. Uh, D's Nuts, uh, otherwise known as Hold Mignuts, he asks, the last question, have you guys touched on the next coaching candidates? LOL. Uh, yes, there are a lot of questions about the coaching candidates. Uh, we went through them all. But, hey everyone, the game is about to start. Hope I didn't bore you to death. And keep keep listening. I'm going to try to maybe do this again at the Sacramento Kings uh, game. You know, Depending on if I don't jump off my third floor apartment building if they lose to Boogie Cousins and end the season. If that does not happen, I will be back for another podcast, and I'll probably be back if they do lose. But uh, thank you, everyone, for your support. And as always, go with.
will say Hailing him Where he is these days Life is hard You have to change Life is hard You have to change 